You're listening to Snow Life, a National Post podcast featuring true tales of the Canadian winter. I'm Monica Rzeka. This week, we're looking at a dangerous side of winter, when freezing rain coats every surface in sight, or when all those little snowflakes pile up and become a big problem. Power outages, icy roads, burst pipes, and freezing homes. It can make you feel much more vulnerable to the outside world. So this week, we talked to people who had to seek shelter, and those who offered it to others. And we'll also hear from the mayor of a Newfoundland town that is constantly getting slammed with snowstorms. First up, Jake Edmiston spoke with a BC resident who had to grapple with a recent bout of extreme weather. One ice storm is bad enough. Imagine being hit with two ice storms in quick succession and having to leave home with five kids and one dog. Brandy Vershoor lives near Abbotsford, BC. Two storms hit the Fraser Valley region last December, coating everything in ice. There was a startling beauty to it. Brandy went outside to survey the scene with her older children and take a few photos. All of a sudden, we heard this loud bang. You could hear it echo. We're like, what in the world? That sounded like a gunshot. So we quickly ran to the house. We got on the phone with 911 because I was like, oh my goodness. There had been a homicide just down the road from us, and they were pretty sure it was gunshot. So that was pretty scary. So I get on the phone with 911. They say the police are coming, and we go back outside. And all of a sudden, we hear it again within like two minutes. And that's when I realized that it was actually the tree itself breaking and coming down. As the night progressed, things got worse. The power went out at 11.30 at night. I had to grab the flashlight and go get the kids, you know, get them all into the room. Previous to the storm happening, we had put blankets in our living room, like against everything that opens up so that we could keep the heat on and warm up the room in case the power did go out. So had the kids in the living room and all of a sudden branches were hitting our house, the side of the house. And at that point I was like, no, no, this is going to be bad. We got to get everyone out of here. A friend offered her and her family a place to stay, but even getting to a safer place was unsettling. There are literally tree branches all over the roads when we're leaving. And then the big trees, they were starting to bend in a very unnatural way. And the roads were just ice. Her friend's home eventually lost power too. And then Brandy's landlord called with some troubling news. He was like, has everyone, everyone, is everyone everyone in the house? And I was like, no. And he's like, okay, good. He's like, our house is being evacuated right now. And I said, why? And he's like, the hydro pole fell across the driveway and it hit the gas meter and caused the gas leak. The destruction is terrible. We have a creek beside our house, and one of the big, big, big trees fell and actually fell into the creek. Luckily, it wasn't the one beside it, because if it had been the one beside it, it would have hit the house. Brandy didn't want to overstay her welcome. It was New Year's Eve, and a friend had plans. As a single mom, she says a hotel was out of the question. Brandy made plans to wait out the storm's aftermath with her kids in her car. But she hoped to find someone to take her dog. She called friends and seemed to be out of luck. I called one last person who I didn't know that well. Um, I called her and I just said, hey, I'm like, you know, we just want the dog out of the vehicle. And uh, can you take her? And she was like, yes. So we get there and my friend's like, where are you going to sleep? And I said, well, I'm like, going to sleep in the car. And she's like, that's not happening. So you guys are staying here. And that's where we stayed. Finally, 
After nearly a week out of her home, Brandy was able to return. It was like totally night and day going into the city of Abbotsford and then coming down here. Like it was so much thicker the ice was. The destruction was worse. Everything had ice on it. Street signs, you know, the lights, the wires, everything. And, you know, poles were down everywhere. Trees were down everywhere. Like we're talking these big trees that have fallen and completely uprooted out of the ground. It wasn't just the stress of finding new accommodations and being out of her home. The storm took a toll in other ways, too. I got the kids up in the morning and we started doing the fridge and freezer. And I literally was in tears. We had just finished buying a ton of groceries. Everything was full. So everything just had to go. Boxes of chicken breast, tons of bacon, uh, six dozen eggs, probably a good six, seven hundred dollars. I make sure our freezer is always full. Being a single mom, if we ever have a month that we can't afford to, you know, buy a lot of groceries, if the van needs work or something, then, you know, I kind of have something to fall back on. After the storms, people talked a lot about the importance of being prepared, about having a backup generator, about having emergency kits, firewood, extra water. What happens when you can't afford to prepare yourself for the faint possibility of two storms? 20 years ago this year, Quebec and eastern Ontario were hit with a massive ice storm that wreaked havoc in cities such as Montreal, Ottawa, and Kingston. Graham Hamilton spoke with Paula Blanc about how the infamous storm played out in Montreal. Paul remembers the storm in great detail. He worked part-time in the alumni department of Loyola High School. Here he is describing what it was like to give shelter to so many people forced to leave their homes for more than a week. The word went out on radio, I guess, that Loyola High School in Western NDG um, was now gonna be available as a shelter. So anybody, anybody, who lived in that area, just show up, register yourself, and they'll find a spot for you. Over the whole nine days, there were close to 300 people who lived in one of the gymnasia and hung out in the other gymnasia. We had people from 10 days old to 91 years old. Anyhow, this counselor showed up and he said, uh, I need a phone, I need a phone. I said, well, here, come into my office and you use the phone. So he made this call and I couldn't help but overhear. And I thought, who's he speaking to? Well, it turned out it was the owner of one of these franchise operations which sold frozen food. And he said it, I always remember his line was something along the lines, you can't use it, you have no electricity, you're not gonna have it probably for days, give it to us. Anyway, sure enough, the guy said, okay, I'll give it to you. So the counselor made another call and he got somebody who had a tractor trailer. And it was one of these, I think they're 52 feet long, they're humongous. Packed the thing completely, drove it over. The person who drove it over said, where the heck am I? What's up, what am I doing here? He had backed it around to the tiny little kitchen outside the gymnasium. And I mean tiny. So we filled that thing up pretty quickly. He said, now where do we put the stuff? Well, we left it outside. It wasn't as cold as it came from in that uh, supplier, but it sure as heck was better than an indoor thing. And that became the source of our supply, literally three meals and sometimes four a day for the next, by that time, probably eight days left. Turned out one of the people 
came to me and said, you need some help. He said, I'm a short order cook. I'm a university student at the university campus right there. And he said, um, I, I think I'm pretty good. The meals we had that this guy flung together and some others helped were incredible. Somebody, I don't know how she did it, but she did. She brought her parrot to the shelter. Parrot got out of its cage, flew up into the rafters. Anyway, unknown to us, another of the residents goes back to her place, brings her own birdcage over, and she started talking to this parrot and teasing with food. Down comes the parrot, problem solved. Strange little incident, this is about three or four in the morning, and there was this rumbling type sound. A couple of us were outside, I wasn't one of the smokers, but a few of them were, and we saw these huge, huge earth-moving trucks. I've never seen such big trucks and plows and scrapers of all kinds coming down Sherbrooke Street. It's a very, very big street. It was like the cavalry had arrived. People started cheering. I mean, I'm not sure what we were even cheering for, like help is on the way or they haven't forgotten about us. It was a, a challenge for those who were there, myself included, uh, trying to think, okay, how do we keep these people preoccupied and sane for what turned out to be nine days? There were some young people who, some of whom were student, adolescent age, probably 14, 16 age, and they automatically picked up helping for the much younger children have some board games or some card games or different things. There were some people who just did some games of, it'd be like Jeopardy or something. They just made them up themselves. Day five, mid-afternoon till midnight or so, we were without electricity also. And that got a little more scary because here we were in this big building all we were operating was, you know, flashlights, and we were operating on um, emergency lighting. Well, that lasted for a certain period of time, but not forever. Someone put out a call, and these humongous, two huge generators arrived, pulled by this big truck, and they got hooked up by electricians who knew what the heck they were doing, they did, and they hooked these things up, who were back in power. When we're getting up to day seven, eight, some of the electricity is coming back on, bit by bit by bit. And a couple of people started going back to their own local house, apartment, and I saw them the next day. I said, didn't you just check out yesterday? And they said, oh yeah, but we're back to help. People, strangers to us, looked after us out of the blue, helped us out, fed us, kept us entertained, and now it's our turn to give back to the others. Newfoundland is always in the news in winter. It seems the East Coast province is always bearing the brunt of some fierce storm churning up the Atlantic. But what if snowstorms were just an everyday fact of life? Joe O'Connor spoke with Desmond McDonald, the mayor of a town that is arguably the snowiest in the country. So you live in the, the snowiest place in a snowy province. What does a St. Anthony resident need to survive and thrive in winter? 
How do you get by? A snow machine is fairly essential to our way of living up here, yes, not only for uh, work but for peace of mind. There's a lot of enjoyment to be had from riding snow machines, seeing a lot of the country that you don't necessarily see during the warmer months of the year. Probably the second thing most people are going to want up here, it's a snowblower. You're going to use your snowblower a lot during the winter months. Uh, a lot of people here have large driveways, and the snow tends to pile up very fast. So <laughs> using a shovel sometimes can be tiresome, especially when you have high snow banks, you know, 10, 15 feet high around your driveway. Shoveling snow up that high can get to be a bit of a task. Okay, so we've got a snow machine, snow blower. What else? Three on the list. Uh, what else is essential to a winter? Uh, a warm winter jacket. <laughs> right now it's uh, minus 16. Is the wind chill minus 26? you got to bundle up during these months. So we make the most of it up here in winter. It's, it's, you know, I don't think anybody begrudges winter when it comes around, but it's, uh, it's enjoyable. We make the most of it. Try and paint for our listeners the experience of a storm on this uh, uh, pointal land right up on the northern peninsula. Um, last March, I think we had 300 centimeters of snow. One storm lasted five days, so it was, it was harrowing. Uh, the wind picks up and you know, when the storm gets ready to hit, then the snow starts. And they can last for hours. Uh, by most accounts, everything's a complete whiteout. You know, your your driveway is full of snow. Your vehicle is completely buried in everything. Your front door. I remember when I uh, I grew up in Goose Cove, which is about 10 kilometers away from Sydney. And remember, as we were growing up, s- snowstorms were a lot worse then. It'd be three or four days before the plow would get through uh, back to your community. Uh, the road would be. The banks would be 20, 30, 40 feet high. We'd go to school after it was opened on a school bus, and the snow would be 20 feet higher than the bus on the road, so it was like oh. we're driving through a, a tunnel. I mean, we made the most of it. We enjoyed the snow day. I mean, it was an opportunity. We didn't have school, and a lot of the case now is the same for kids now. I mean, you get a snow day. is great, right? <laughs> like anybody around, we get ready. It's, uh, you know, everybody goes to the grocery store, gets their storm chips and stuff, and they hunker down in their homes. If a snowstorm is coming, we usually try and make the most of it. Are snow chips literally chips, or what's a yeah, snow chip? Yeah, potato chips. Everybody will get their storm chips for the storm and hunker down. You know, you watch a movie, eat a few potato chips. You know, that's, yeah, everybody, usually when a storm's coming, that's what they say. Everybody get your storm chips. What's the mayor of St. Anthony's uh, preferred chip of choice during his, the storm season? Uh, good old Canadian flavor ketchup is uh, my favorite. <laughs> okay, okay. How's winter been in St. Anthony thus far? We have had an extremely warm uh, fall. Uh, it's been warm up until the last two weeks here. We've had snowfall. It's late for us now to have our harbor freezing over. It's usually done uh, well before Christmas, and it's only froze over now for about a week. Um, so it's been above fresh temperatures, I would say. Uh, but I think we're settling into winter now. It's getting colder, uh, a little more snow. Well, Mr. Mayor, Desmond, thank you. I do appreciate chatting today. Uh, keep warm. Oh, I will. Thank you very much for calling. I appreciate you taking interest in our community. That's it for this week. Join us next time when we explore the ins and outs of winter etiquette. Snow Life is produced by me, Monica Orzeka. Sound work, show theme, and logo by Bryce Hall. Additional music by We Star Music. If you have any winter stories to share, reach out to us on Twitter or Facebook. You can subscribe to Snow Life on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Be sure to let us know what you're thinking and leave us a review. Thanks for listening.